season finale. And we're talking to Mandy, a life coach focused on a different kind of paranormal power. Our own. I don't want to spoil it, but we've even got a surprise interactive experiment. Picture didn't happen. Let's go. All right, folks, welcome to Normal Paranormal. This is a special show. It's our last show of the season. Aww. I know. It's gone so quickly. It's, mm-hmm. it's been so much fun, though. Um, I thought it'd be fun for this episode, or we thought it would be fun for this episode, rather, to sort of take a little bit of a shift. I know we've heard a lot of ghouls and goblins and ghosts and, and aliens, even. But we're going to do something different tonight. But I'm not going to tell you what that is. We're actually just going to go straight into introducing our guest. Tonight on the line, we have Mandy. Mandy, how are you? Lovely. How are you guys doing? What's going on in your life this week? Uh, we got some new carpet this week, so almost everything we own is sitting in the middle of our living room right now. <laughs> Ooh, but you got the nice new carpet smell everywhere. Yeah, it's been an adventure. We have no blinds in our living room, so um, the neighbors have just been watching us sleep, pretty sure. Oh God! Yeah, that I don't. That would freak me out quite a bit. I don't know if I could handle that. The glue smell alone, like the fact that you may be getting high in your own home, <laughs> inadvertently getting high in my own home, <laughs> <laughs> not knowing about it, all of that stuff. Um, Mandy, I feel like our listeners are going to want to know a little bit about you. Um, so please just introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you find important, and what is energizing you in your life right now. Yeah, so um, I'm a Midwest girl. I've always been super career focused. I started out in the software industry and about a year ago, I shifted over to life coaching. So that's consuming a lot of my time building a business and just creating new stuff all the time. I'm an animal nerd. I love animals. I've got a dog. I'm a vegan. I will tell you all about it, as all vegans will. <laughs> and I've been married nine years to my super hot husband. Congratulations. I'm very normal. <laughs> we do like to emphasize the normal parts. Um, I'm just looking at our, our questions here. Before we get into our story, anything else you want to talk about, about your business or about how you decided to make that career change? I've always been kind of a self-help junkie. I read a ton of self-help books and it sort of started with productivity and then it shifted into career stuff. And eventually I just found some people that really changed my mindsets like Martha Beck and Byron Katie. Um, And I love that stuff. So that got me into life coaching, which what I love about life coaching is kind of the same thing I loved about software. Like I think the software business is so cool because you build one thing and then you sell it over and over again. It's very efficient. Mm -hmm. And I think of coaching as the most efficient path to happiness. It's like, there's a place for therapy. I, I spent five years with a really fantastic therapist. And then I got to a point where I was no longer drowning. I was like treading water. And coaching is what helped me sort of propel forward in the water. It takes somebody who's doing pretty well and lets you just like go after your biggest dreams. So yeah, I love coaching because it's such an efficient way. Instead of looking at the past and really analyzing everything about why you are where you are, it's just sort of accepting the present and then 
propelling forward. Hmm. That sounds so interesting. I feel like you probably meet a lot of different sorts of people. And people who don't know the difference between those two things. So I really like that analogy and image that you kind of created for us, the difference between what you do and what a therapist might do and um, yeah, just how they serve people at different points in their life. Yeah. And there are times when everybody could use a therapist and everybody could use a coach. We don't talk about it too much, but yeah. Yeah, I feel like I could use both probably. (laughs) (laughs) Why not both? People use the analogy of sports a lot. We would never expect a professional athlete to go out on the field and not have a coach, right? And yet we expect ourselves to do amazing things and be great spouses and parents and community members and career professionals with no help at all. So (laughs) coaching is is a growing field and needs to be recognized. Does the story that you're going to tell us today have anything to do with your coaching background and your coaching work? It does. Mm. Yes. All right. Set it up. Tell us about that. What happened? Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is, I'll call it my experience with thoughtlessness. Mm. Tell me more. It was, it was the most surreal moment I've had. And it was only like maybe two seconds long, but it was so different that it really stuck with me. So I was at this, this nine day immersion experience where it's kind of the whole concept of the experience is to be really meditative and notice and question all of your painful thoughts so you can get more and more into this place of like stillness and peace. And it's nine days from 7.30 in the morning to 9.30 at night. So it's super intense. And there was this moment, maybe seven days into the adventure, we were at a resort and we had... um We were paired up with random roommates. And it was this moment where my roommate was out of the room and I was sitting in the bathroom. I had one of those little blue lacrosse balls because I have, I get knots in my back. So I'll sometimes like lean up against the wall with the lacrosse ball and try to get my pressure points. Have you ever done that? Yes, I do it all the time. Um, Specifically in my left shoulder is where I carry my tension. Me too. I swear I've tripped over that tennis ball about a hundred times. <laughs> Sorry. It's so effective. I love it. So yeah, so that's what I was doing in the bathroom. And I don't know, it was just this very peaceful night. I was all zenned out, sort of like being high, but not really because you're just very, you're very aware, but also just very happy. At least that's how it was for me. And so... I got done with my back and then I was just sitting cross-legged on the bathroom floor, the tile floor, and I started bouncing the ball because it has a really good bounce to it. And in the middle of bouncing the ball, again, it was only for like one or two seconds, there was this moment where, it's probably going to sound really strange, but it was hilarious. It was like a miracle. I felt like a a two-year-old kid that was just like, oh my God, it lifted back up in the air. (laughs) And it like, it just bounced up and it bounced into the, where the toilet was. And then it bounced back in an unpredictable direction. And I was just giddy and giggling. And just like, I felt like the biggest miracle in the world. And then after those two seconds, that's when I was like, oh, that must be what like a two-year-old feels like. That's why they giggle at everything because everything is new and exciting and they don't understand the physics of it. 
So yeah, I don't know how that how that sounds to you guys, but it was like, it was amazing to me. How long did it take you to recognize and call that state thoughtlessness? Right, right when I lost it. Mm. It was like the moment that it was gone, I was like, oh, that I was there, which is how I've heard a lot of people talk about meditation before, where meditation, you're just, you're noticing your thoughts and da, 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 and then all of a sudden you'll be like, whoa, this is amazing. I'm like in the zone. And then the second that you have that thought, you're, you're out of it. It's gone. That's kind of how it was. What do you think triggered you? I know you said you were all zenned out and, you know, but what was different about that specific point in time? Anything that you could point to? I think what it was, was the fact that it was sustained for so long. Hmm. Because the whole experience, the whole nine days were really great. There was a lot more presence than I have normally in my life. And pretty much the second I left, the second I was in the airport, I was, I had that low level stress that I carry around in my life all the time. So there's something about that environment where you're with 200 people that are doing the same thing. There was silence built into the day. I was probably intentionally silent and around people. That's the key. In groups of people and intentionally silent for maybe five hours minimum a day. Wow. And anytime that we were talking, we were partnering up on exercises where we were meditating on our thoughts and questioning our thoughts. So you were Mm. primed and ready. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. Like I imagine Buddhist monks or something when they're just in that zone for weeks on end. Mm. Was there anything in the training that gave you that vocabulary and you were like, ah, this is thoughtlessness or did that word sort of come to you? Where did it come from? Do you think? Yes. Great question. So I don't know about the word thoughtlessness, but what what was talked about a lot was this idea that we're learning how to ride a bike and we're going to, we're going to fall to the left and have to get back up. We're going to fall to the right and have to get back up. But there's a moment where we're just riding the bike. We're not falling. We're balanced. And if we can have one moment where we're like that, we're balanced on the bike, then we have a reference point. And so I knew immediately, oh, that's my reference point. That's what I can pull to mind in my life when I'm like questioning why I'm doing all this work. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. So powerful. Okay, so what happened after that? Did your roommate come back? Much later, she was a night owl. I really got on her nerves (laughs) with my sleep (laughs) schedule. Did you get up earlier or something? I would go to bed early and she created a story in her mind that I just didn't want to see her or talk to her. And that's why I was going to bed early. Little did she know, I'm just like very committed to my 10 p.m. bedtime. And I love <laughs> sleep. Well, that actually, you know, that makes me think, I'm curious, you know, you, you mentioned that the feeling that you got, um, you imagine that it's like, you know, a monk somewhere off in a monastery that's able to spend, you know, all this time in, in, in practice meditation. And I'm curious, what sort of environment was this at? I, I mean, in my head, I'm imagining like a dorm room. And so I'm curious for our, our listeners how they might, you know, seek something out like this on their own. Was the environment special in some way or was it just a run of the mill sort of conference area? The environment was really beautiful. It was in California. There were, it was an actual resort in a smaller city, smaller town. And it was July. So it was like sunny every day, Mm. tons of greenery. 
lavender bushes on my on my walk in to um, session in the morning. I could stop at the lavender bush and watch the little hummingbirds and the bees like eating the flowers. Um, and there were mountains in the background and all the rooms were different, but all were really nice. Big beds and big bathtubs and oh wow, excellent food. Like they catered. I mean, it was excellent for me. Some people were going through red meat withdrawal, but I was in heaven with big salads and fresh berries every morning and all that good stuff. Okay, mm. so the environment supported the experience yes, is what you're saying. <laughs> that's what it's <laughs> Okay, seek beautiful places. I'm putting that seek on my beautiful list. beautiful places. One. Two, my question is, is it important for us to experience something like what you described? Like, is it something that you'd recommend to everyone? I think almost nothing is more important. Anytime that you can get some freedom from your thoughts and kind of see that it's all just a story playing in your head, you find more peace. So, yeah, it's it's been so powerful in my life. Mm, wow. Yeah, we're, we all are seeking peace. Okay, so I'm wondering then, I have a little piece of paper in front of me that has another story, just minimal details, but I want to hear you tell it. Was this other story at the same kind of environment or was this at a different time? Yeah, so so the story you're referring to is um, kind of the moment that I started believing in magic. It was about a year ago. And it was similar in the sense that it was a hotel and I was with a lot of like-minded people, Um, but it was a different group, different event. And the speaker brought out all these boxes, big cardboard boxes of regular everyday stainless steel spoons, like soup spoons. And people started like whispering about it because I guess there's this thing, this spoon bending thing that this speaker talks about and writes about in her books. And I didn't really know anything about it. And everyone's like, oh my God, the spoon bending, the spoon bending. It was totally new to me. So they, these people handed out spoons to all 100 or 150 of us that were in this conference room in a hotel. And uh, the short of the story is that I bent the spoon and it was amazing. What? Bent a spoon, how? Yeah, tell me more. Yeah, I just... Okay, so she's like, she's like, hold the spoon, get to know the spoon, <laughs> talk to the spoon, tell it you want it to bend. I have a question about the spoon. This is a regulation spoon. Like, this is not there a... There are no regulations for spoons. <laughs> it is. It's like, and it's probably a little lower quality than, okay. than you might have at home if you get really fancy stuff. But the first thing I did is I sat and I tried to bend the spoon as hard as I could with my with my hands, with my arms. And at this point in my life, I could do like eight push-ups. I wasn't a total <laughs> wimp. <laughs> and it wouldn't bend. Like it maybe like moved a tiny bit and then bounced right back. So that's how thick, how strong the spoon is. Okay. So I'm not bending it. I'm just holding it, wondering what the hell's going on, thinking this is kind of stupid. And then um, she explains to us how we're going to bend the spoon. And she says, you know, hold it and kind of imagine you're talking to the spoon and you want it to bend, you know, be nice to the spoon. Just kind of gently bend it. Don't bend it forcefully. Just kind of barely push it with your hands and keep moving it around to see if there's there's like a way that it wants to bend. You know, maybe it wants to bend 
with the um, backside of the spoon bending back, or maybe it wants to fold in on itself the other way or whatever. So I'm doing this and still thinking this is bullshit. Nothing's happening. She's like, just think loving thoughts, you know, bring to mind your happiest memory. I'm doing that and still nothing's happening. I'm like, I'm so warm in my heart thinking about my dog and my husband and nothing's happening. And then she just starts back up in her presentation. And I don't remember the exact story she told, but she's told some story about this really elderly couple where one of them is is dying on hospice and the other one is there and something beautiful happens between them. And I am such a sap. I will cry at anything. And so I kind of forgot about my spoon. I'm listening to this story. My my heart's beating and I start tearing up because I'm like, oh my God, that was so beautiful. <laughs> and then I looked down in my lap and my spoon was completely bent in half. <laughs> Were you touching it? I was, t- I was holding it, but like not, it, I was holding it where there was like barely any pressure. Yeah. Just a slight bit of pressure, like resting my hands, basically. Resting, I'll tell you exactly. So imagine um, in my left hand, my left hand is like cupping the spoon and then the, you know, the head of the spoon. I don't know what you call it. And my right hand is wrapped around the leg of the spoon, the handle. I believe it's bowl and stem. The stem. Leg. Yes, the right hand is wrapped around the stem of the spoon. I actually like leg. <laughs> Doesn't a wine glass have a... No, that's a stem too. <laughs> leg is something else. Um, okay, and then my... So my so my four fingers are on the back of the spoon and my thumbs are on the front of the spoon in the middle, resting there. So like the tiniest bit of pressure. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that's what my hands were doing. And then I heard this sappy story. And then I looked down and the spoon was bent in half. So were you thinking loving thoughts in response to the story? Is that what happened? Or or what do you think happened? I don't quite know. But yes, I do think it's some kind of like heart opening thing where I was feeling really connected to other people. I was feeling very loving towards them. And I think the other part of it was I had let go. I wasn't trying anymore. Mm. Like so often when I'm attached and really wanting something and thinking that I can control it, I'm just making things worse. So I think that was a big part of it. Just kind of forgetting about it, letting it go. And yeah, the combination of those two things. And did the spoon get hot or anything? Or was it just, it just was all of a sudden bent? It didn't get hot. No, it was... I mean, it was so normal and I, it was, and I still have it. It's just bent. It's bent at like a, maybe, what would you call that? A 45 degree angle, just sort of bent in half. Did anyone else find success? Lots of people in the room did. Some didn't. Yeah. For a lot of people, it was that they were able to just bring to mind a really beautiful memory that they had and it easily bent in their hand. Mm. Wow. That's rad. I got to ask, so in what context in your life do you tell this story? Like, what is what does it illustrate for you? Do you use it in your coaching work? Do you, is it good campfire chat? <laughs> hmm. I think I most commonly bring up this story when there's something around psi phenomena. Is that the right term? 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. Something around psi phenomena that's coming up and um, and the person is, you know, they're in that in-between where they're like, they're believing it, but they're also saying, obviously, I don't believe in that. You know, surely that could, you know, people can't read each other's minds. That's when I bring this up because for me, it represents that I was wrong. I thought there was no way this could bend without a lot of pressure. It's just, it's a, it's a thick spoon. I can't bend it with my, with my physical strength. It makes no sense that I'd be able to bend it by, you know, succumbing to a love story. So yeah, it just kind of opened my mind. And to me, it's a type of magic. Magic in the sense, like, I think there's a lot of things that we still talk about as if they're magic and make-believe. And yet there's actually a lot of science that, and a lot of evidence that's showing that they're real. Well, it's actually interesting that you say that because, you know, my experience with spoon bending is, um, you know, I've read various books on, like you said, psi phenomena. And um, in one of those, it goes into detail with uh, Yuri Geller, who was famous in the 70s for bending spoons. That was his big, you know, sort of parlor trick. Um, but he actually, you know, according to some government documents, he was hired by the government in a remote viewing and psi operative capacity uh, with a group of other people. I know that sounds, you know, that's going down the conspiracy train a little bit, but but um, the government has spent money on figuring out if these things actually are real and um, all evidence, at least that can be found, points to it being real. And so it's interesting to think about, like, what do we expect to not be true for no reason other than we think it's too weird. Yeah, or that we don't believe ourselves capable or we don't believe the human mind or body yeah. capable of something. Yeah, it's, this is a fascinating space. Yeah, that reminds me of, I've read some recently about the um, placebo effect and how it's it's such a thing in the medical industry. The placebo effect is this negative thing where, like on the positive side, the placebo effect is real and it's a beautiful thing. It happens because our minds believe that the medicine should happen. Why would that be a negative thing that just takes away from the proven effectiveness of medicine? It's actually a beautifully powerful thing that we can heal ourselves. Yeah, this morning I was even reading an article about that uh, where there's actually now science going into uh, kind of like the genome. Um, they're trying to find the placebo which is a weird word, but it's like they think there is a thing inside of us that activates our ability internally to cure ourselves of certain things and that the placebo effect um, paired with the sort of, I guess, caring effect of, 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 a, of a doctor or a practitioner, this sort of um, ritual you know, of, of someone caring for you can actually, they actually have, have theories that this is what unlocks that ability within us. And now they're doing all these studies to find, you know, what's the gene or whatever that, that turns this on and off. And, um, some people are, seem to be more susceptible to it or more, more able to, to, to access it. And some, some don't. And I mean, this was like, I want to say it was an Oxford study. Like it wasn't like a, a fringe study. I was reading this on the New York times, I think. And so it's just so interesting. And you know, cats do it too. <laughs> I can attest to that. One. <laughs> when cats are really happy and, and and in love with you, they're purring, right? That's their response. This is like I'm a happy response. But cats also purr when they're terrified. 
when they're stricken by anxiety to calm themselves. They purr to calm themselves. Mm. So I don't know. There's something to that. I'm a cat person, a cat freak um, (laughs) (laughs) by many accounts. Can confirm. But I don't know. I was just thinking about that. Like when cats think loving thoughts, they can calm themselves and soothe themselves too. Yeah. So where does this leave you? You said that this was sort of the point in which you started to believe in magic. Um, Have you seen that in any other ways using these sorts of principles? I would say that it has opened my mind to exploring a lot of other things. I haven't experienced a lot of other things that I consider magic, but my bookshelf now includes books such as Animal Speak, where Ted Andrews talks about how you can read nature to get information about your life and how you can communicate with animals. And I just heard the author, uh, Dean, Dean Rakin. Is it Dean Rakin or Dean Rankin? I should have looked it up. I think Dean Rakin has these great books about just what we were talking about, sci phenomena and the current scientific, incredible scientific studies that show all of these things that are true, like um, telepathy, and studies about like how how people can sense who's calling them mm. with great statistical significance. Mm. That's super cool. That is rad. But you know, I don't know. People can sometimes manipulate these things to their own means, just like anything. I had this boss who was terrible. And one time she asked me a question and I answered it in a certain way. And she was like, why did you say that answer? I was like, I don't know. I just felt like it was the answer. And she's like, I gave you that answer through telepathy. Like, I told you to say that with my mind. And I was like, interesting. Okay. Like, at some point, it felt like she was taking my own autonomy away from me. Not to detract from any of this, but that just came to mind. I don't think that's the same thing. I don't think it's the same thing either. She was like trying to say... I don't fucking know what that was about. I don't know. That's a throwaway comment. She just wanted me to be known for your awesome, awesome intro. I think it's... I think it's interesting, though, like, there's a difference between exploring your own power and what she was doing, which seems like really wanting to prove her power and pulling somebody else without their permission into her story. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I, yes, that sounds true of the whole experience of working for her. <laughs> <laughs> Like people that claim to be psychic or claim to be able to speak to deceased spirits don't walk around just giving everybody advice about their life or or telling them out of the blue, hey, your dead husband is standing by you and he wants to tell you this and that. <laughs> like there are rules in this world. Yeah. That reminds me of a Saturday Night Live skit that I just saw on an old rerun with Christopher Walken where he works in this office and he gets just random messages or random like intuitions from the universe and they're like really stupid like he like is in the middle of a conversation and then all of a sudden just stops dead in his tracks and he's like (laughs) you're gonna order a sandwich for lunch and they're gonna give you an extra dollar back (laughs) just like stupid (laughs) it's like it's not gonna affect your life in any way (laughs) but he just gives it out freely but you know normal in normal life you're actually paying for that for that advice I wonder what you think of that kind of work like is that related to to life coaching and how so? What do you think about psychics, clairvoyants, intuitives, et cetera? 
Yeah, it doesn't seem very related to coaching. And yet somehow the same people are into both of those things. Like since I've hmm. I've built this network of life coaches, I now know all kinds of people. I know people that have communicated with animals. I know people that uh, say they communicate with the great teachers like Buddha and Jesus, people that communicate with dead spirits, with people that that consider themselves intuitive in all kinds of different ways. There's a there's a bit of intuition when it comes to coaching, but nothing like clairvoyance and all of that stuff. And yeah, I don't really know why. Maybe it's the open-mindedness. So much of coaching is questioning your limiting beliefs and breaking free of all these fearful stories you've been telling yourself all your life, all your thoughts about what everybody thinks and how you should act and all of that stuff. So maybe breaking free from some of those thoughts opens you up to this kind of not yet proven psi phenomena, pseudoscience kind of stuff we've been talking about. I like that. Yeah, me too. I kind of want to try to bend a spoon. Me too. Let's do it. So yeah, listeners, we have a surprise. We are going to try to bend a spoon together. So right now, if you're at home, if you're driving, whatever, pause. Walk to your nearest spoon receptacle. If you're driving, pull over at the Walgreens. If you're, you know, at home, go into your kitchen. Grab a spoon and then come on back and we are going to do this. Under the guidance of Mandy. Absolutely. Okay, so I've got my spoon. Erica, do you have your spoon? I've got a spoon. We had a couple in here and then then you brought two more. We've got like four spoons if you want to try them all. <laughs> I don't know if I can do two at once. <laughs> Let's start with Start easy, start basics, you know, beginner. Okay, I'm no, I'm no pro. But I'm going to do my best. <laughs> sure. All the spoon benders listening are, might be judging me. Um, okay. All right. Hold your spoon and expect that it will bend. Just assume that it is totally going to bend for you. How should I be holding it? Do you want to um, describe a little bit of, you know, should I be sitting in a certain way? Should I have my hands in a certain way? Yeah. Be comfortable and and. Don't think too much about what your hands are doing. Your body knows what to do. Your body always knows what to do. It's breathing for you. It walks for you when it needs to walk. We think we have to tell our body what to do, but we don't. So just forget about thinking. Just hold it. Let your hands do whatever they're going to do. Maybe you like move the spoon around a lot to kind of play around with what feels good. And push your hands to bend it, but don't push very hard. Just a gentle pushing. It might get warm in your hands just because you're holding it and moving it. And then you want to you want to think loving thoughts. So one way to do that is try to recall one of your fondest memories. Maybe you remember falling in love or the love of an animal or really loving an activity or falling in love with a place that you visited. And bring that to mind with all of the senses of that moment. Like remember how it smelled, if it was warm or cold, who you were with, what you saw. Remember how you felt in your body when you were there. And 
just relax, kind of forget the spoon is there. Just focus on that moment. Gently bend the spoon, let it move around in your hands. Okay, so should I be looking at the spoon now? How long should I try to do this for? <laughs> Adam, you might have to give it a whole afternoon and see what happens. It's the attachment that's hard for me to let go of, especially sitting here with you on a podcast. How do I let go of the idea that I want the spoon to bend? Sure. Erica, how's yours coming along? I got so attached to my spoon that I became afraid of bending it. And like... I just have started to feel all sorts of respect for my spoon. Mm. And every time I felt like I was getting close, I was like, no, I want this spoon, spoon to stay just like it is. Like I, I knew that I could and I felt that I could. And then I was just like, no, I don't want to bend you, spoon. You are good the way you are. I love that you said that because there are probably people that will have that same feeling. Because you're like... It seems so ridiculous, but you're connecting with it. It's like, did you read The Magic of Tidying Up or whatever? The Marie Kondo book? No, but I've read the spark notes. Yeah, and she's she's like, thank the item and then let it go. Like, you talk to the item. Maybe the spoon doesn't actually have any consciousness, but the act of you talking to it does something in you, you know? Like, your feeling of connection is real, even if the spoon doesn't have consciousness. Mm. That that's how I feel. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to practice that. I recently had to get rid of the car that I've had since I was in high school, mm. and it was just like such a part of my life for my you know half of my life at this point. Um, and it was like really hard to let it go, but we did it. I cried for like two days, and then I was like, yeah, I thanked I thanked my Jeep. Yay! Great job grieving. I gave it the best life it could. I let myself be sad, and I haven't really felt that sad since. <laughs> nice. Yeah, as long as we allow our feelings, they don't last too long. Mm. I got to be honest. I legitimately thought my spoon was bending, um, but it did not. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe a little tiny bit. I, I was really feeling into it. Like I, I felt like, okay, this is where my hands are supposed to be. This feels like the right spot. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, I felt like... I was, fe- I was thinking about Coco, my little kitty. It's like, oh, in my heart. Um, but I'm going to try later because I am fascinated by this stuff. Mandy, you said yeah, you had a spoon or were you trying to bend one too? Yep, I have one. It has not bent. Okay. Okay, well, that does not mean really anything. It just no. means we were not successful. Listeners, were you successful? Did your spoon bend? Let us know on Twitter reach out to us at NPN Podcast. I'm super curious to see if anyone has success or if you, uh, even outside of this podcast, if you just, you know, try doing it again some other time. Let us know what works. Tips, tricks, yes. all of that. Tips and tricks for thinking loving thoughts, if you've got them. We could all use some more of that. Definitely. Okay, so so you, you've got these two similar but different stories, right? You've got one where you've sort of understood the power of the mind uh, for the first time and then you've got this sort of almost like advanced <laughs> power one where, you know, you've used the mind to do something wild, right? I'm curious if you've had any experience personally with these new thoughts, new 
new ideas, new explorations into what you think is possible affecting the other people around you? Yeah. So one example that comes to mind is I gave a presentation at a library and I was hearing before the presentation from the leader of the meetup group that I was partnering with and also the participants. They had all these stories about the woman that works at the library and how she was really, really short with them. There's this marker board at the entrance of the library and we had wanted to write a note on there so people who came to the meetup would know that they need to turn left to find the meeting room. And so people were coming in saying like, oh, that woman, she she wouldn't tell us where the room was. She wouldn't let us put anything on the sign. Da, 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 da. So after the presentation, I go with my partner who's, who's leading the meetup group to go talk to this woman. And I just, I use the same sort of power. I filled myself with loving energy and I, am, I let go of my judgments. I imagined that all of that stuff was stories and that this woman is just so excited to work at the library and share her knowledge. And I went up with him and just started a conversation. And by the end of the conversation, not only was she telling us that if we called her ahead of time, she would go with markers, a smorgasbord of colored markers and draw out a sign for us next time so people could easily find the room. But she was also talking about how if we give her a list of books, she would love to go around the library and pick out all these different books that people might be interested in and set up a table for us so that you know, the library could could be such a big part of our next meetup. So I was just blown away. Both of us walked away really happy and energized and grateful for this person. And it was so, it was so unexpected, I think, for the guy that I was with. That's just, that's an example that comes to mind for me when I have intentionally set out to to have a different mindset and connect with people in a different way, how it has a very literal impact on my world. And I think some of that is common sense, right? We all have worked with somebody whose attitude just brings the whole team down. And we've worked or interacted with people who you just want to be around because there's just something about them. Um, And I think we all have that power. Hmm. Mm, Yeah, I love that. Before we wrap up here, if you were to give one piece of advice to all of us, I know I would never ask you to do your job for free, but you know, if, if you had like a, like a free download on your website, what would it say? Don't believe everything you think. It's interesting how the, how these internal things can affect so strongly outward, truly unexpected things that, that we may be capable of as humans. I don't think we give ourselves enough credit. Mandy, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us your time and sharing your your incredible stories and walking us through that exercise, I guess. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for letting me tell my stories. The power of the human mind. Quite possibly the most normal paranormal thing we could talk about on this, the last episode <laughs> of the season. It's not magic. It's not ghosts. It's the part of us that I guess gets lost in the everyday. Yeah. And I guess regardless of whether or not I or or our listeners have the power to bend spoons or whether we'll ever experience thoughtlessness, 
there's stuff we don't even understand inside of each of us. So I guess to me, that raises the question, how can we be so sure about anything, quote unquote, out there? Mm. So do you think we bent the spoon this season? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know if we bent the spoon. I guess we sure heard about a lot of spoon bending experiences. Most certainly. Talking about those experiences was incredible. I mean, it's exactly why I wanted to start this podcast in the first place. You know, learning from other people, their stories, hearing about these experiences that me and you, you know, we don't have any way to understand unless we had had them, right? And I wanted to get closer to the truth of that. Yeah. And so I guess I, I guess I know more now, but I don't necessarily feel any closer to that. I guess I'm still searching for the answers. I haven't bent the spoon yet, um, but I am trying to. <laughs> yeah, it's not disappointing in that way. Yeah, I mean, what about you? What are your thoughts at the end of the season? Well, I guess we've thought a lot of loving thoughts. So <laughs> if that's the measure of if we've bent the spoon, then I think we did it. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this season as much as we did. Uh, we are currently seeking interviewees for the next season. If you've got a story to tell, please reach out to us through email. Hey, at npnpodcast.com. And please follow us on Twitter to be the first to know when the next season is a coming at NPN Podcast. We wish you spooky experiences, incredibly good cheer, and all of your wildest dreams coming true this year. Again, thank you everyone that's taken the time out of your schedule to listen to this, and we'll be back. Club Production.